Episode number 21 of Tigers Avenue. Blake will be on the show later um, to discuss some things with us. We're super excited about having him on as well. So we appreciate y'all joining in. Just to go ahead and, and, and kick us off right, hey, Tigers Avenue is now on all three major platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you slide over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button, you can watch us go live there as well. Look, just because we're doing this live does not mean our episodes are are going away. If you're not able to watch the live show, they will be posted on all podcast platforms, whatever your choice is. So if you cannot watch it live, you can always go back and listen later. Zach, let's go ahead and get right into it. We got some basketball to talk about. The woes continue as we took the L last night against Kentucky and Rupp Arena. Give me your initial thoughts on, on Zach, on what you thought. Maybe a little bit of the same, but what do you think about it? The frustration of, of watching this team just continues. It seems like we're constantly watching the same mistakes being made over and over again. Yeah. And, and that continued against Kentucky. You know, against Kentucky, you saw the team get out to a really good lead in the first half, but you just kind of knew in the back of your mind that, Kentucky was going to make a comeback. And you saw that exactly happen. You know, the same things that have plagued this team in the streak where they they lost a lot of games plagued this team in the Kentucky game. You know, they weren't able to finish at the rim. There was many, many layups that were missed that should have been made, easy, easy layups. Finishing at the rim is definitely continuing to be a problem. Holding leads is continuing to be a problem, as we saw. And just having creativity offensively. Uh, it seems like there is no creativity offensively. It's very frustrating to see because you know the potential that this team has. You've got to get these wins here in the next few. You're going to be playing yep. Missouri at home on Saturday. That's a must win for this team. Absolutely. And then you've got Alabama at home the following Saturday, and that's a must win. I don't think you know they're going to pull off the game against Arkansas and Fayetteville. I don't predict them to win that game. But if they go and they win the next three, It'd be a really big boost of confidence, I think, for them, especially heading into the SEC tournament and also for their resume and seed-wise. The Kentucky loss stinks, right? But you're playing Kentucky at Kentucky. Resume-wise, this is not going to hurt you. I mean, if you win that game, that's really going to help you resume-wise. But if you lose this game, and really it was a close game. I mean, like you said there at the beginning, you you really – Got off to a great start, a, a great shooting start too, man. Pinson had 16 points in, in, in the first half, and and Darius Day started, I believe, three for three. The offense was really clicking. But look, like you said, there's no creativity. So once they figure out how to stop a few things like that and adjust accordingly, which we all know Cal Perry is a good enough coach 
to adjust in game. Yeah. It was like dead in the water come second half. The offense has several, like throughout several games, have had long periods of scoring droughts. I hate seeing the stats pop up. LSU hasn't hit a field goal in, in X amount of minutes. It really irritates the, the, the mess out of me. Look, that loss doesn't hurt you, but you're absolutely right. you got to take care of business on Saturday uh, against Missouri. You really need to solidify your spot in the tournament. You know, if you really slide here at the end, you, you don't want to wind up at an at a 8-9 seed, you know, and, and, and playing the hardest spot in the tournament. Because, obviously, if you land 8-9, you're going to play a team that's – really on the same level as you yeah. and then even if you win that game like last year you got to go play in a you got to go play a one seed right like LSU last year had to play St. Bonaventure uh by no means were they an easy team and then you had to go play Michigan the number 1 seed and and, and we made a game of it surely we did but in the end it, it wasn't enough right so you've got to you've really got to finish strong uh here uh and, and and get yourself into a, a seven spot. You know, like you said, I don't really see foresee us uh, beating Arkansas in Bud Walton. But if you can beat Bama and you can beat Missouri, maybe you get that sixth seed because you beat Bama. But if you beat Arkansas, if you went out here, you can really get that sixth seed. Right now you're probably sitting at a seven. And, and even a seven's tough, right? Because if you win that game, then you're playing a two seed if the two seed wins. So you really got to finish strong and, and hope for, a, a, you know, the best seed possible. Uh, right now, the name of the game is, you know, seeding. Uh, I mean, throughout the season, it's, you know, get into the tournament. Uh, LSU's resume really has established themselves as a tournament team. I mean, you got five, six quad one wins on your resume LSU is not going to be put out of the tournament, even if they lose all three games and lose the first game in the SEC tournament. They're still a tournament team. You may not like your seed, but you cannot deny LSU a tournament spot when you have six quad one wins. Something that I've been hearing a lot lately and that I 100% agree with is you have got to get Efton Reed involved in this offense. Must. He is a seven-foot tall player, and he dominated in high school. Yes, this is different. Yes, it's the SEC. This is Division One basketball, but that dominance is within that guy. And we say, you know, well, he needs to mature. He needs to grow. Well, maybe we need to help him mature and grow. Maybe you need to give him the ball more, give him more opportunities. Because, man, it's like he comes in and gets two fouls, and it's like then he's sitting, and he winds up playing 12, 13 minutes, and he's not getting meaningful, meaningful touches. He's not getting any sets that are coming to him. And really, it, it we complained about his, you know, it felt like maybe the lack of maturing. But now that I look at it more and maybe step back, maybe we're not giving him enough credit because he isn't getting the ball enough to mature, to grow. And you've got to get him involved. I mean, when you have a seven-footer on your team, that is – you you switch a few times, you set a few screens and get a you know a mismatch. I mean, come on, you got a seven footer with a mismatch of, of of what like a six five guard or 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 six seven maybe three on you know yeah you you dish it in there and let him go to work. We've seen the sky hook right. We've seen it happen. There's been times when he's been trapped 
and he can't get the ball out. And man, he's seven foot tall. He just reaches up and slings that thing up there, and it goes in. Every now and then he'll you know bang it off the front iron. But dude, when you're seeing that baby hook go in like that when he's trapped, if you get a few switches work for him, get a set going for him. And, and you got a mismatch, toss that thing in there to him. Let him go to work. Yeah. Let him grow. Let him learn. Let him bang around in the paint with, with the best of the SEC. That's how you grow. If you keep pulling him every time he gets a few fouls and, and you're not giving him touches or meaningful touches, then you're not helping the man out. I do agree. I, I think I think partially, though, I mean, he is going to have to work on not fouling because, I mean, if he's, getting, sure. two, if sure. he's getting two fouls early in the game – you know, within the under 16, within the under eight, Will Wade's got to pull him, you know, to preserve him. And so a yeah. part of that is Efton. I do agree with you. They need to feed him and facilitate offense through him a lot more. He does have to work on his fouling. Obviously, that has been a problem for him just throughout this entire season and especially through SEC play. So if, if he can work on that and specifically just be able to stay in the game a lot longer, you know, yeah. I, I think we will be able to see him have offense facilitate him even more. You know, that's that's what this team needs. This team needs more options offensively. Not that they don't got them. They got them. Um, they're mm-hmm. just not using them right now um, because they, they haven't been able to use them right now. And, and like you mentioned, Efton, he's shown flashes of, of, of how great he can be. I don't think Efton has reached his full potential yet at LSU. By you know, no so I, And so I hope By we no see sparks of that uh, as, we, as we go into postseason. I would love to see that, but I, but I agree with you 100%. I think he's got to work on his fouls, though, himself. Yeah, there's no doubt. When you got that kind of length, it is, you know, and maybe he's a little bit clumsy with it, you know, you're going to draw a little bit more fouls, and he's got to control yeah. himself. True. I will say, though, there's there's been some fouls I've seen him, you know, that they're questionable, and and then you got you got to pull him to reserve him. But – my thought on it is is if you're not going to give it to him in meaningful minutes, then what's the point of reserving him? Like, it, if you say, oh, he's got two fouls, now I have to pull him out for eight minutes, uh, you know, eight minutes in for, for the rest of the first half or whatever that means, you know, to, to keep him from getting three fouls in the first half. But then come second half, you're only going to play him ten, maybe, minutes. What's the point? You know, let, what's the point if you're gonna if you're gonna you know keep Tari Eason in there and, and, and Darius Days in there for the most for the most minutes, which obviously both of those guys need need plenty of minutes because they're you, they're your dudes, right? But I don't get the point of reserving him if you're not going to give him meaningful minutes. I really like seeing Xavier Pinson's play. It really feels like he's a hundred percent again. You know, when he first came back, Zach, there was I can't remember which game it was, but he came in and he played like seven minutes. He TCU. Was on a TCU, yes. Yeah. He was on a minute restriction, played like seven minutes in the first half, didn't play the second half at all. He was so gimpy, and, and, and it was like very obvious as to why this man had not been back in yet. Which I mean, we know we know now that he he had kind of forced the hand there. You know, he, he, had, yeah. he had gone to Will Wade and was just begging him to get into the game, and, you know, Will Wade allowed him to go and play and – and but you're right. It seems now that he's 100. I mean, he put up 26 points last yeah. night. You know, Wednesday yeah, night. I mean, so he's a high. You know, he's high. Yeah, so um, he's performing at a very high high level right now. We, we we hope that continues as well. 
yeah, you're seeing him make those cuts. You know, he he's really good with his with with his hips to you know create some kind of room for him to get into the paint. And the way he twists his hips and sometimes when he hesitates, man, it really, you know, fools defenders. And you weren't seeing that at the beginning. And now you're really starting to see that. You're really starting to see him come into himself uh, like he was at the beginning of the season. They made a late push, Zach. And I I don't know about your opinion on this. And maybe you had turned it off or not. But when LSU had got the ball back, I believe it was after the five-second call. And it was a four-point game, and we had the chance to cut it to two. And Xavier went in and, and missed that layup. I, I don't know about you, but I almost came unglued because there was a lot of contact on that play. There was a ton of contact. that I mean, the dude didn't smack his arm, but he drew he, – he, he bumped into to Pinson pretty well. And – we all know how we feel about how the refs have called LSU all year long. And earlier in the game when Pinson fouled out and he just kind of reached over the top of Oscar DeSheboy, I mean, he may he may have not even touched him, Zach. He, he may have not even grazed him, and they called Tari's fifth foul. That was another major thing in that game is the fact that it was that close and Efton Reed and Tari Eason fouled out. Eason fouled out, I think, with like nine minutes left in the game, Zach. He had five points. That is your, yeah. your biggest point your best player on this team. He's your he's by far your best player. And yeah. he fouled out with nine and a half minutes left in the second half and had five points. And it was almost a game still. It was, I mean, we almost won the darn game. If Tari Eason doesn't foul out, you, you could win that game, right? I really didn't understand the decision. It was after his second foul. Will Wade did not pull him. And it was really early in the second half, and he got his third foul. You got to pull Tari there. And he drew the fourth foul not too long after his third foul. You've got to pull him there. And I really don't blame that on Tari. I really blame that on, on, on Will Wade. I mean, you were in the teens of minutes. I think it may have been 13 minutes left, and he drew his third foul. You got to pull him and sit him, I mean, and and that put him in the situation later on in the game where he had to draw his fifth foul. So I just you got to pull him and not put him in a situation where he can risk getting that fourth foul so early. You know, the biggest thing all year long has been the defense, right? Like it's the defense has been incredible. I mean, what? How do you? How have you viewed our defense so far in this? You know this tougher stretch of the of the, of the season where we've we've struggled a lot here lately. Do you think our defense has still you know kept par, or do you think it's wavered some? I definitely think it's wavered some. I mean, you you can't give up forty eight points in one half uh, to Kentucky and expect to to win that ball game. We had a streak where they went for a long time without allowing uh, any any of their opponents to sixty points. You got into SEC play. And, you know, you've seen a lot more of that here recently. You know, you, you can't give up the amount of points you gave up to TCU when you went and played them on the road. You can't give yeah. up the amount of points you gave up to South Carolina on the road. You can't give up the amount of points you gave up to Ole Miss when you had them at home. It's really surrounded a lot of those losses, those bad losses that we've had. Yep. And I honestly think that part of it has come down to the offense and, and, and 
the flow of the offense. I mean, when you're not having good offensive possessions, it's a lot harder for a defense to be able to get back and, and get set. And, and so I think a large part of that is on the offense. When you get into postseason play, uh, as you know, defense travels. And this, the, this mm-hmm. team, when they are performing at their peak defensively, they're a hard out. And they're going to be a hard out in the tournament whenever they're playing at their peak defensively. And so, you know, I hope to see them get back to normal. I don't think it's it's like a major issue where it's become a, a huge problem and, and they've just completely lost everything defensively. I just yeah. think a lot of it, there's a lot of factors that have come into it. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for them defensively, but definitely here recently they, they've taken a hit. Yeah, there's no question about that. I think they've still played really well um, considering how bad the offense has been. They've still done decent. I mean, you held Kentucky to their lowest half point, first half points the other night. You had to capitalize on that. Um, you really got to capitalize on that, especially with the, how X and, and, and Darius Day start. You, you got to capitalize on these last three games, finish out strong. Man, if you make a great showing in, in, in the SEC tournament, maybe you bump up a few seeds. Uh, you maybe want to finish strong and, and, and have a good uh, showing in the SEC tournament. Let's talk about baseball. Look, LSU lost their first game on on Wednesday night, Louisiana Tech. Let's not make a big deal out of this. I I, I mean, really, Louisiana Tech is a great team. Seriously, they are. I mean, last year they were the 16th seed and hosted a regional. uh, Should be in tournament again this year. Absolutely. And Taylor Young, their, their, their shortstop, is an incredible player. One of the best players in college baseball, maybe one of the best shortstops in college baseball. And he can rake. Dude can rake. And he can play defense. Um, you, you went into to Ruston. It was 36 degrees. It was raining. It was cold. You made a lot of errors. So let's say, I mean, I mean, let's start there. Let's let's not make excuses. You lost the game, right? Yeah. You lost the game. You made a lot of errors. You shot yourself in the foot a lot on Wednesday night. But all credit to Louisiana Tech. Um, Kate Gibson, their starting pitcher, was outstanding. All credit to Louisiana Tech. Pitchers and their bullpen, they held LSU in check. And I, I believe it was the seventh inning, sixth, seventh inning, you committed three errors in one inning. And the game really blew open from there. And it it was over. Your bats weren't as hot, but you're playing. You were playing a little bit better of opponent. It was just not your night. It was cold, rainy. You made a lot of errors. It is what it is. Zach, give us your thoughts on, on on Wednesday night's game and this series against Towson. In regards to the Louisiana Tech game, I mean, there's not much that I could say that that you didn't already. I don't want to make excuses for for the loss, but as you mentioned, it was tough. Uh, to go on the road and, and play in Ruston for your first true road game and, and, and a midweek game, your first midweek game, man, that's tough. That's that's tough. No and the weather definitely played a huge factor. I think it did. And But really, you know, they, they kicked the ball around the field a lot, as you mentioned. The fielding was definitely an issue. That's something to monitor as we move forward. You know, that's something that's going to get cleaned up. And luckily, you have a lot of time left between now uh, and when you get into SEC play to fix those things. And that's kind of what it, it, this is with these these non-conference games you're playing. They're going to tinker with the lineup. They're going to figure out who's best where, what's the best lineup uh, offensively. And so, you know, you're going to see 
uh, LSU drop a, a game or two here and there that they shouldn't. Yep. By no means is Louisiana Tech a team that did you expect to go in there and just win the ball game. You know how you kind of get that feeling like early in the day when you're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. Like this, this may not go well tonight. You just kind of get yeah. that that fan feeling of I don't know if we're going to yeah. win it. Yeah, I, I kind of had that feeling early on in the day, and I was like, I'm just not feeling good about this game. There was so much hype and, you know, scoring the 51 points, you know, just so much positivity and so much hype. All right, I don't want to be a negative, but it just felt like something wasn't going to go right. <laughs> and unfortunately, it, it it went that way with them with them falling to losing at Tech. You know, yeah, something I mean, to monitor as we move forward with the field. We, we talked about this with AD, you know, on, on our last episode. We, t- we told y'all straight up, like, this is – baseball is not – baseball is not really power five, group of five. Louisiana Tech is is a power five type of team when it comes to baseball. Baseball is different. Anybody can lose any given day when it comes to baseball. And if, if you want a comparison, I went back and looked at the 2017 season, the team that, you know, went to the finals and, and – in if we want to get into it a lot, you know, really was probably a better team than Florida that they lost to. You look to the beginning of that season, LSU dropped two games to New Orleans in midweeks and to Tulane. You dropped like early, like early on, they lost to um, Tulane and two to New Orleans. And and then that turned into be a season, you know, where you were, you were in the finals, right? So, Man, don't don't make too much about this because they are a great team. And and honestly, Louisiana Tech, I haven't looked at all the rankings. There's like you know, there's like six different polls. I think Zach, there's like perfect game, D1 baseball, baseball America, collegiate baseball, you know, baseball riders. They may be ranked in one of those, but they should be ranked. They they are a very good team. Don't make too much about it. We're, we'll we'll see as we continue to roll. What really what I want to see this weekend, Zach? I, I'm hoping our offense. <laughs> won't explode when it comes to the the uh, to Saturday and Sunday because I want to see Mikhail Hilliard and, and Ty Floyd really get into a game and, and pitch because like we talked about last episode Ty Floyd work around really, batters yeah yeah I mean Ty Floyd was really just trying to get outs and he was throwing nothing but fastballs um so I want to see you know really what they can do if they can extend you know I mean, obviously, right now, Blake Money seems like your, your bell cow. I mean, he's going to be your guy who's going to go long. You know, what are your thoughts on something you want to see as we continue towards conference play? Well, I mean, really, as we continue towards, you know, next weekend when we have, a you know, a big deal going on at the 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 Shriners Classic. I mean, those those are big games. Next week. You got Oklahoma, Texas, yeah. the number one team in the country, and Baylor, who, who just beat a ranked team today. I can't remember who it was, but I was looking at it earlier. But those are big games. What are you wanting to see as we move towards next weekend? Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be a huge test for this baseball team uh, next weekend. And, and, and a lot of what I said earlier, you know, I want to see this team uh, do better fielding-wise. And I want to see the pitchers work work around jams. I, I want to see them have to get out of a bases loaded, uh, two on, you know, zero outs, two on, one outs, whatever the situation. I want to see how this pitching staff handles adversity because we knew coming into the season that the pitching staff was probably going to be your weakness. So I want to see how they perform whenever they are faced with that adversity. And as you said, you know, last last weekend against Maine, you didn't really have to worry about that as much with the, the points that they were putting up and all the runs that they were scoring. 
And so, you know, I hope to see some of that this weekend, especially in preparing for next weekend when you face those big time opponents. But really, the fielding's just got to get cleaned up. It's been it's been a problem the last yep. couple of games. I think if they're able to take care of those things and we're able to see the pitchers work around some things here this weekend, you know, it, it'll definitely bode well for them next weekend. Yeah, no question. Um, one guy I want to talk about uh, specifically is Braden Bear. That dude is for real. I mean, we had him – I mean, anytime we talked about lineups or who was going to hit DH or, or, or right field, I mean – we were saying Joe Bear, and I thought he was going to come out and be a really solid DH, but so far, he's been incredible. And if he keeps hitting like this, I don't know where Beloso's going to play once he gets healthy. Uh, I mean, Beloso may, you know, may have really improved his swing, like everybody said. I mean, he got the nod on opening night, and he may have improved his swing and, and, and gotten a lot better. Why would you pull Joe Bear if he's going to continue to hit like this? Dude is raking. I mean, he was really the bright spot <laughs> against Louisiana Tech because he was the one who first got us on the board and, yeah. and, and got us kind of brought us back in that game. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That has really, really, you know, impressed me so far with his play because the way he's kind of stepped up in his game, starting at uh, Nichols and then going to Delgado and now LSU. He's been pretty impressive so far. So let's move from the diamond, guys. And, and and Blake, this has been a hot topic, man. A hot topic for you. Uh, somewhat of a controversial topic as well, as, as crazy as that seems. BK introduces, with a press conference, his offensive and defensive staff on Wednesday and Thursday. Blake, give us your initial thoughts on what you heard from Brian Kelly and what you heard from the assistants, maybe that what stuck out to you the most? Uh, I would say competence. I would say attention to detail. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people ask if um, Brian Kelly took shots at Ed Orgeron, for an example, on his opening comment and comments in reference to the defense not playing one specific defense. The reason he makes that comment is because he watches the film from last season. He watches the film from 2020. And the reason he talks about that is because he's like, look, I, I have a guy that might be a third or fourth round pick in Neil Farrell, the defensive line, and he doesn't come on until Durante Jones puts him in better positions. So yeah. I, I think it's that specific de- uh, attention to detail. I think that you have a guy that's an X and O's guys and a guy that could be a motivator uh, as your head coach. I, I really don't care – you know, what people say about him, the dancing and all this kind of stuff. Let him go out there. Let him win games. Forget the press conference. Let him do it when he wants to do it. Because, guys, for the first time since 1999, 60 new members are have been hired on LSU's football uh, or at LSU football. So when you talk about having 200 interviews, when you talk about having 60 new employees that you quite honestly don't really know all of their names. You know, Brian Kelly made an interesting point that I didn't even really know who Frank Wilson was and until I got to know him. So you want that man to run out to a press conference and say something. To add to this, I think we got some uh, clarifications on some things. Somebody that I kind of been hitting around, Garrett Dellinger moving to center, I think is a big deal. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the quarterback position in Miles Brennan, but look, it's a work in progress. We'll get out to spring, but I think that, you know, and here's, here's something that's small and, and talking about small details. What's the man coming up there in a, in, in a suit for, 
a nice button-down shirt, uh, nice slacks, and, and a coat. Like, you don't see that often. And he's t- he's taking it professionally. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're if you're coming at me like that, okay, so now you're telling me it's ready to play. So you, I'm, we're paying you $10 million. Oh, so you're going to treat it like you're $10 million. You know, I don't know if you guys watch the, the TV series Billions, but it, it kind of feels like to me he just walked out of a, a, a you know an episode of Billions or an episode of Suits. Like, dang, <laughs> dude, that's, that's the lead attorney for you know Suits. You know, so I, I, I like what I see. I like what I hear. A lot of things were just more confirmed that we already knew. Uh, I like I like both coordinators hires and and look the last thing uh, you got a winner uh, at all position groups. Guys that have won national championships literally all, outside of Mike Denbrock and Brian Kelly, the only two who have not gotten to that feat yet. So uh, you got winners all across the board. Absolutely. Hey, Zach, throw up throw up Danny's comment, her, her latest con- comment. He's so professional that they don't catch his jokes. You know, that is one of the fu- – I thought that was one of the funniest things about For the real. press conference right. is – I think LSU media and Blake, you can you can relate to this maybe a little bit more than we can, obviously, because uh, you've been there, you've done that. <laughs> but they're used to Les Miles and Ed Ordron type of characters that, like, they expect you know some kind of incompetency, some kind of joke, some kind of outlandish, crazy thing, and then Brian Kelly comes in and it's like boom, 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 real professional, like they almost feel like they can't laugh at a joke. And Brian Kelly's like, man, you know, tough crowd. I thought that was one of the funniest things about the whole press conference. Well, I think it's – I think <laughs> They weren't I, even I, expecting it. Well, guys, I think it, it told me everything I need to know about the, the, the reason of why they attacked him in the first place. The yeah. man comes out there and makes a joke about the key card. You know, he's, he's going up to football ops and he's swiping his damn key card down and he can't get into the building. He got into the building. He was there. He was waiting. He was on the phone call. That I don't know if that really happened. He came in there trying to make a joke, okay? Yeah. And then he makes another joke, and, and they don't laugh. They they don't see his humor. You know, I think sometimes we take things too seriously. Like, the yeah. man made a joke. Laugh at it. Laugh <laughs> at it. I mean, it might be corny as hell. It might be another dad joke. Who gives a dang? You know, like, that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. And I think it just my opinion is LSU fans and LSU media – we have to adjust. You know, we're talking about the National Signing Day thing. We're talking about, oh, he didn't come out here and talk for National Signing Day. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they don't ask him one question about his philosophy on why he thought Harold Perkins would be a good outside linebacker. Well, then ask him the damn question then. You know, if you're if you're going to moan and complain, <laughs> then go out there and ask him the question. That's the kind of stuff that irritates me. Like, it, it, you know, it's – I must have grown up in a, you know, I grew up in a small country town with a small country feel and came to a bigger city. And so maybe those back background roots got me to a point where, hey, man, if you're going to say something, you better come talk to me about it. And I don't mean that in the wrong way, but it, it seems as if we, we take things, just ask him the question. You had seven weeks to find a great question. You didn't ask any. Like you yeah. didn't. Hey, guys, Brian, Brian, what's your philosophy on third and four? What, what's your philosophy on third and four? I saw in the Stanford game that you threw the ball 25, 25 times in the first half. You went for it four times on fourth or third, three times on fourth down. 
uh, it was crazy because you ran stick routes. What, what was the philosophy? You're running the ball very effectively. Why are you throwing the ball in that situation? Boom, that's a good question. Uh, Brian, have you eaten a Cajun turkey roll at uh, <laughs> at, at uh, like I don't care if the man's eating tur- Cajun turkey. That's not a part of you know. It's it's not a part of you know what he's here for. You wanted yeah. it, you got him. Don't ask him about the sushi rolls and the, <laughs> do you crawfish. Do you even know what crawfish is? You know, like it, it's those kinds of things that that, yeah. that irritate me. And that definitely kind of played into the, is he going to fit into the culture type of thing? Like those questions definitely came from that. Instead of football questions, you got those type of questions. Is this guy going to recruit Louisiana? Is he going to be able to fit into Louisiana? And, yeah, I understand your point completely there. Zach, what are your thoughts on the press conference? What did you get from it? Uh, What did you like? You know, what I really liked is you heard them mention a lot that, you know, they were going to fit their scheme to their personnel. And, you know, I think there was problems with that at, in, in the last regime. I mean, Edo was so set on, you know, we're going to run the 2019 offense. Well, maybe the 2019 offense wasn't the best offense for the guys that you had in the locker room, right? Uh, we're going to run a 4-3 defense. He was so set on running the 4-3 defense. And so you get Dave Aranda out of there and you lose guys like Apua Ika who were, were, were better for a 3-4. And, you know, I, I think what I really like about this staff is they're, they're very set on making sure that they use their locker room and the guys that they have on this team to the best of their abilities. And I think you're going to see them surround uh, their offensive and defensive schemes around the guys that they have. Uh, and, and that really impressed me. You, you like to hear things like that. What really just impressed me is the stakes, the experience – uh, and just the the intelligence of these guys when you hear them talk. Um, you know, hearing Joe Sloan talk, hearing uh, Jamar Kane, hearing uh, Robert Steeples. You know, I, I went and listened to those guys' interviews. Very impressive. Uh, and, yeah, and they're, they're just yeah. they're just very impressive. And, and it really feels like from the top down, from the head coach all the way down into the analyst, you just have professionalism. Joe Sloan, his interview, one of the things that stood out to me is he said, I think they asked, you know, what are, what are you most impressed about with BK? And, and he said communication, um, that that BK is, is an excellent what, Zach, communicator. You, you mean he's talking to his assistant coaches? Yeah, shocker. <laughs> oh, wow. Bro, no way. Wow. Bro, he hired a guy and he talks to him? Yes, he does, <laughs> apparently. Apparently he's excellent at the communication per Joe Sloan. Another thing I noticed that uh, you mentioned, Reagan, is just like when BK came in there and he was making jokes. Like I don't know what y'all, but I laughed. Like I, 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 I was, I was able to actually, you know, understand the joke and laugh. And and you know, you didn't see that with the media. But I like that he's he's trying to take things lightly because you know the narrative behind BK coming into this job. You know, is he's very stern, he's very hard, he's very buttoned up, and and you know you like him coming in and trying to loosen things up and, mm-hmm. and be and be joking. Well, let me ask you this. What do we really know about Brian Kelly other than a narrative that's around him? Like, no, exactly. like, serious, like serious question, like meaning you see him blowing up on the sidelines, but you also see Saban blowing up on the sidelines, right? Like, yep. and, and then you, you see like, look, I am a, I am at least personally, I'm like a fiend for watching very intelligent people who are smarter than I am and watching them talk and listen to them speak. Right. And like, when I do that, at least I want to find out what, what do they know that I don't. 
Okay, what do they know that I don't? And, you know, when you hear the former players of Saban and Belichick, they were like, yeah, Belichick never opened up to us, but he'd come in the locker room. If I needed something, he'd be there, right? And so I I think that we don't really know him, and we haven't got a chance to know him. So we'll see. I mean, he's only been here like a few months, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So here here were my thoughts on on the, the press conference. So what frustrated me the most – and, and I will, I'll go there, back with Ed O'Dron. What frustrated me so much about him is, you know, uh, uh, hey, Joe Brady, you know, who should I hire? No doubt. Who, who should I hire? Oh, you should go hire DJ Mangus and, and Jake Peets. Done. You know, um, Dave Aranda, who should I go hire? You should go hire Durante Jones. All right, go hire him. I mean, no, no, no vision, no, no purpose, just, oh, these guys worked out for me. Let me pick up the phone and – and figure out, you know, what do I need to go do next? Instead of being a competent coach and understanding this is what I need, this is the type of guy I have to go get. And with Brian Kelly, there was purpose, there was vision, and he gave you the reasons. He gave you, number one, he told you he wanted connections to the state of Louisiana, and boy, did he get it. Cortez Hankton, Frank Wilson, Joe Sloan, and he also told you he wanted experience. You got – Den Brock, you got Polian, you got um, Matt, Matt House, right. and he also told you he wanted winners. Cortez Hankton just won a national championship with Georgia and just signed to LSU for the exact same position. Matt right. House has won a Super Bowl with with the Kansas City Chiefs. So you, Frank Wilson, has been a, was, was at LSU when when there was plenty of wins going on. So. You have winners, you have experience, and you have connections to the state of Louisiana. All three reasons he gave you for hiring his staff is the very guys he went and hired for his staff. There was vision and there was purpose. Well, and, and I think, I think to, your, to add to your point there, uh, Reagan, is this. He said this yeah. exact same thing that Ed Orgeron did, but in a better way. Let me, let me yeah. explain. He said that, well, hey, coach, because the que- there was a good question, I think, by uh, Brody Miller of the Athletic, and Brody asked him, "Well, if you didn't know these guys, how did you come to hire them?" And he said, "Well, look, you know, coaches in this business, you pick up the phone. Maybe they can't come, but then they say, hey, this guy's looking for a new opportunity. You call them, then you interview them.' But he taught. But see, here's the difference, though. You didn't know that until the question was asked. What you got from Orsron was is when he walked out to the podium. Yeah, yeah, I just called Joe Brady, and Joe yep. Brady said he was coming. So they said the same exact things, but it's a completely <laughs> different way, Clean though, show. Reagan, right? Like, it's a completely different avenue of how he went about it, but it made you understand why. Well, yeah. like, hey, the reason I hired Fra- – hey, and the fr- like what he said about Frank Wilson gave me chills. Hey, y'all got to stop saying he's a great recruiter. Stop saying he's a good recruiter because I- basically what he's telling you without saying these exact words are, hey, I broke down film with Frank Wilson over the last seven weeks, go ahead and shut up. Like, go yep. ahead and shut up. He's a better on-the-field coach than any of you in here give him credit for. Just because he's the national recruiter of the year does not mean that he's not a good coach. Guys, newsflash, to be a good recruiter, you got to be a damn good coach. And yep. so at least know and to be able to sell a vision. And if you can sell a vision in a living room, you mean to tell me you can't sell why this guy needs to run the ball on third and two or, or pick up a block on, on, on third and seven or why Clyde Edwards-Lair needs to be motioned in 
on third and 17 when we normally run the football and go hit a blitzing linebacker in the face. So Joe Burrow hits Justin Jefferson, and then uh, 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 Matthew McConaughey's in the corner, and he's crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> Next is he's a back, you know. So, but I, I, Reagan, I think I think you know you probably made the best point on this. That was a big thing that wrapped up the Ed Orgeron versus Brian Kelly narrative, right? Like yeah. that that wrapped it up. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and that's what I liked is is you understood this is what I was trying to accomplish. Now here they are, and and this is how they are tied into my vision, my plan, my purpose. And, and and that ties in, I think, to all of what y'all see, y'all said. You know, professionalism, uh, and 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 the the narrative, like y'all talked about with 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 BK. Look, I'm I'm super impressed with with, with Brian Kelly. You are are <laughs> you are getting almost the complete opposite of what you just had, like mm-hmm. like 180, 100. percent And I wanted to ask you this, Blake. Uh, and, and and maybe you've mentioned this on one of your shows or whatnot. Like you're 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 saying there are sixty new hires, and obviously mm-hmm. that includes you know football ops and and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, is is this like is this a complete gut? Like is this a gutting and a layering of a new foundation? Like is it is it a complete teardown? Well, since you boys are from Memphis and my mother in law lives in Collierville, I'm going to give you an expression. That I know that you boys will will know. Okay, it's like it's like slaughtering the pig, and you putting the seasoning on it, and now all you gotta do is start, ro- you know, putting that rotisserie on it. Start, start, <laughs> put the apple in the mouth, and start doing the rotisserie. You can put the sauce on it a little bit, but yes, it's a complete gutting. You know, like the look. You've had individuals here. I don't. I'm not calling for. I will. Ne- I am not going to call for someone that's off the field or not. And I, I hate to say off the field because they're going to be recruiting analysts too. So I want to be specific. I'm t- when I talk about in, in this scenario, off the field personnel. I'm talking about people that never recruit, never do anything. You know, they they're setting up recruiting things, whatever. Like the, the just the main personnel. When you have personnel for there for that long. It's never a good thing. That's why you see Saban rolling people in and out. The You know what's interesting? The only person that has been with Saban for that long is like a handful of people, right? His recruiting analyst that he brought over from LSU and his secretary, right? And there's a few other ones. The, so the woman that do, that runs his life and the guy that he trusts the most on planet Earth outside of his probably his wife, I would assume, are the only two people that stay around him. Scott Cochran who was his longtime strength coach, he said, you want to go with Kirby? Bye-bye. We'll see you after winning a national title. So if the greatest coach of all time is doing it, then why aren't we? Something that's key to me, too, and when you talk about trimming the fat, sometimes when you trim, you know, guys, I'm 287 pounds. I gained four pounds this week. It's not a good thing. King cake season, whatever. But under all this fat is abs, right? We all know that. You still got (laughs) abs under there. Here's the thing when what happens when you trim fat and you bring and you start working out and doing things the right way. Those abs start showing, right? So when we talk about off the field or off the field coaches and the analysts, guys, they've been power five defensive coordinators on the yeah. defensive side. They've yeah. been head coaches on the offensive side. So where the guy, and I don't mean this in a wrong way, I've played, I play with a lot of the analysts 
that were on the staff last season. With all due respect to them, and they know this because I've picked up this phone and told it to their face, you have no business being Ed Orgeron's right-hand offensive assistant. You, 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 you've never called plays in the SEC. And I, I would expect, I expect that it would hit home for people when you realize that you have a power five, two power five coordinators that are just analysts. Hey, what happens if Matt House gets a new head coaching job? Oh, well, hell, we got a former SEC defensive coordinator that's right here in Josh Janik. So yep. I, I yep. think that those are the differences that you see in um, these type of situations, right? And, um, yeah, I, I like it, and I like the off-the-field personnel and staff. I, I mean, and here's another thing. In, in college athletics, when there's a lot of money rolling around, and I don't mean this in any kind of a way, okay, you have situations like happen at Auburn. You have situations that LSU deals with right now what they're being sued with. You have a lot of big body, a lot of big personalities in one room making a lot of money. And sometimes there's a power struggle. So for that alone, it's a complete trimming of fat. Look, it takes one phone call, guys. It takes one phone call that says, hey, why isn't Brian Kelly doing a press conference? Well, the last thing I know, he just did 17 interviews a day and he's sleeping on his couch in his office because he was watching film. So yeah. When I made that phone call five weeks ago, that's all I needed to know. It's yep. all, it's absolutely everything that I needed to know. So with that being said alone, and look, you have you have a situation where Brian Kelly is enriched in South Bend, Indiana. He's building guys, he's built he was building literally the biggest house he said of his lifetime. By the way, you look into the man's family too. His wife runs a multi-million dollar nonprofit for cancer. So they people come in, they donate money. She's got to pick up everything she's doing, too. Hey, guys, I want a little bit of a news flash. It's one thing for a head coach to pick up his life and, ma- and move and leave. What happens when you pick up and le- leave and move when you're moving millions of dollars? Yep. There's going to be a lot of mad people. We don't think about that. We're so self-centered in our lives and our livelihood. We, we always look in, at us, and we don't see the forest through the trees. So I think, personally, the best – no matter what Brian Kelly does on the field, listen to me. I want him to win. He's got to win. The best thing that could have ever happened to LSU is that the fem- the fat was trimmed. And that's yep. the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm super excited about what's to come. I'm pumped to watch spring football and how that all unfolds. Uh, so far, I'm super impressed. And – People keep asking, well, why hasn't there been a press conference about the recruiting class? Well, maybe it's not quite finished yet. So hold your seats, and we'll see whenever it comes. Um, I think after these few press conferences, you have a brain enough now to understand why, you know, maybe it's good to wait, why it's, you know, why he takes his time so he can then come out and say, here it is. And, boy, did he ever lay it out for this staff. And what an impressive staff, really. Let me ask you all a question about this very quickly. When you see, and I don't know how much of a deep dive y'all have done into this, when you when you guys see what he's done from a personnel standpoint and what he's brought in, what's y'all's first reaction? Because, look, everybody tells me that, oh, well, Brian Kelly used to run two and three tight ends. But, guys, they can't do that. So yeah. I guess when y'all look at the personnel as an example, what do y'all think? 
Well, for me, I think it goes back to to what they were saying uh, at, at what a lot of them were saying at the beginning of the, the conf- press conferences is that we are going to scheme around the players that we have. You know, I, I think I, I don't think he brings in personnel that isn't going to fit with the players that he has. Right. Um, you know, that that wouldn't make sense. And so, you know, I think he went out and got guys um, that he knows is going to make a great impact on the players that are there right now and the players that they know that they're going to be bringing in. Um, and so, you know, that that's what stood out to me the most. Um, and then, like we've said a hundred times, just the, the experience. It, it seems like what he has done is he has uh, assembled a staff that is going to stabilize him for the future. They just want to go after athletes. They just want to go after dudes that can ball. You know, it's funny. Yeah. You, you hear guys all the time. They talk about like, hey, I'm just going to go get guys that can play and then we'll figure out all the rest of the stuff out. Like, we yeah. know we, we know we got to get the numbers in. We know we got to get offensive line, defensive line, running backs, corners, safeties, you know, even a quarterback. And, and you know what's interesting, too, for me from a personnel standpoint, I have I was saving this for tomorrow morning, but you guys got lucky. You know, what's interesting was interesting to me, you know, the first move Brian Kelly made from a personnel standpoint was going to get Miles Brennan, which I know that yeah. I, I feel that they might do some other things. But the first thing that he addressed was quarterback. And, you know, I, I often sit here and think to myself, like, if we were in the situation and, and Ed Orgeron didn't leave, what would have been his first move? You know, like, well, we're going to take let these two guys go through spring and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hit the portal hard. And I'm thinking, like, no, the first call he made was to a guy that might have not had a lot of options. Like, like hey, man, you got to come compete, but you need to come back here. And he does. And, and look, we'll see what happens after spring. But I just yeah. thought it was really interesting, too. And, you know, I mentioned, Blake, that I think they've set themselves up for a sustained future with the guys that they brought in. Obviously, you're going to lose some of those guys. But I think with the team that he's brought in, that that won't matter that you're going to lose those guys. You're still going to be able to have your foundation that Brian Kelly has built. Well, he is your foundation, right? Yeah, exactly. Like he, yeah. You know, Ed was never your foundation. The foundation was everybody around Ed. When you yeah. build a foundation based off these beams that are in my house, that's not your foundation. We all know how good business and good life and good structure is always built. It's built from a foundation. Hey, guess what? You can't – you know, the, the the epic Brian Kelly game where his offense is struggling at Notre Dame and, you know, they're one win away from getting to a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl or, or New Year's Six game, getting into the BCS. Offense isn't doing well. It's bad. One of his bad offensive coordinators, bad offensive coordinators, and he gets a play call. Doesn't doesn't walks out at halftime. Didn't have a play call the entire first half. I think I want I want to say the game was against USC. I can't remember the game. He comes out with his big big old play sheet and he starts calling plays. Right, like that. I think that's the thing to me. Like, hey man, you're struggling. You can't get over the hump. Something's wrong. Something's up. And you got a guy that can that can maneuver e- either which way, and for that reason alone, uh, it's why I love it so much. I feel like there were some fans that were a little underwhelmed with the hire. Maybe maybe that had to do with a lot of uh, the Lincoln Riley jargon that was happening. And, Jimbo, and, and there was there was definitely some some stuff. I feel like that that yeah. was there with Lincoln Riley. Obviously, I feel like there was a, an underwhelm. You know, like. Oh, we 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 got our second choice, right? That was our second choice, and maybe it was. But you still got Brian Kelly, who, like you were just talking about, you know, 
they didn't have a play or whatever, and he took the play sheet and he's calling plays. Like you have a guy who's willing to be like, all right, this ain't working. I'm, you know, I'm taking control, and, and, and a guy who has purpose and a guy who has vision and a plan, and 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 how to develop players. And I feel like that's something that's been lacking majorly uh, in LSU no lately. And the development of players is and is one of the most excited things I'm about. Like like you, what does it matter if you sign every single five star? What if you go sign a three-star and you develop him into a five-star type of talent? Well, you know, that type of coach. Something's interesting. We talked about this Thursday night on the show. Let me get the notes. So uh, of the note or of the show we talked about Wednesday, uh, over the last 10 years, 111 players in the state of Louisiana have left the state or gone to other programs and made it to the NFL. Majority of those kids were not four, not four or five stars. Some of them I would say probably 40% of them were three stars. So let me ask you this question. Why are you letting that kid leave the state or go elsewhere when he's playing in the NFL? So maybe they're not big time stars. Maybe they're not the Justin Jefferson's. Maybe they're not this person, that person. But the last time I checked, you have guys from ULL. uh, 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 Somebody help me in the comments. The the running back for San Francisco, who's Eli Mitchell. Eli Eli Mitchell. Mitchell. So Eli Mitchell, why? What's going on with that kid? Yep. You know, like when you have when you have legitimately eleven players per recruiting class from your state going into the NFL, your state going yep. into the NFL. What What are you worried about the guy that's going to transfer in two seasons? That yep. I think that was the thing for me that was really jarring. And here's another thing, uh, Reagan, exactly to, to the point about Brian Kelly being analytical. That was how he's using analytics in recruiting. What do you think he's going to do when he's on the field on fourth and three on the own 20? Yeah. I mean, look, and you're struggling in the kicking game. So, I, 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 yeah, I'm with you, Reagan, too, in, in the sense of that, you know, un, you, underwhelming. Not, there's nothing underwhelming about hiring Brian Kelly. There's, right. there's, there's nothing underwhelming about it. Let fans sell what they want. We had fans on, in my DMs and on my comments uh, Monday morning or Monday night saying fire – or went, no, 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 Thursday night, fire Jay Johnson. <laughs> get out. No, like legitimately get out. Yeah. I, I mean, like fire Jay Johnson. He's too short. That was one of the comments. I'm it's like, his fourth <laughs> game. It's his fourth game. They said fourth. that we should fire him because he's too short. That was the comment. Another player who wasn't the big name guy who came out of Louisiana, who came from uh, Rummel, is Logan Diggs, who was playing for Brian Kelly this past year. No doubt, and, 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 and probably going to have a breakout season. LSU wanted to make him a linebacker. LSU wanted Ed Orgeron wanted him as a linebacker. Like you can linebacker these, you know what? Like, dude, you got a you got probably the best running back in the state labeled a three star. Here's another thing. Now you're getting me on a. Now we're going on a tangent. The recruiting <laughs> the recruiting services. The guy that's the lead scout for both of the recruiting services have talked to both of them. They haven't been in the state to watch one game, yeah. not 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 one. That's the part. Hey, by the way, you know who you know Tennessee's guy. They have three. One lives in Collierville. I'm not making this up. One lives in Nashville, and the other lives in uh, Knoxville. They they literally have done triangle. a triangle. Yeah. With all due respect to Tennessee, in Tennessee. Why aren't yeah. you doing that in a state like Louisiana? Why aren't you doing that in states yeah. that produce things like that? Rich. Why, why don't why, why are you doing that in Montana? What do you need a recruiting court or a recruiting scout for in Montana? I mean, look, <laughs> last time I checked, this isn't Yellowstone, Big Daddy. You don't need to go up to Montana and do that. So yeah. 
those are kinds of things for me when you have 11 players that are going to the NFL from your state. I, Landon Ibieta is the poster boy for this class. Let's yeah. watch and see how this pans out. So if Landon Ibieta comes out and pans out, then what? Yeah, and, uh, and to that point, Blake, Jack uh, yeah, Jack or Bush. Jack Pesh, guys. That it, guy was going. That guy was going to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and to your point, Blake, the guys that you did get. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the last, I think it's three or four recruiting classes, 28 of them have gone and left the program. Correct. And, and look, I see Carter Bryant. Shout out to the to the Power Hour. He talked about Osiris Torrance for uh, that was at ULL, then went to Florida. You missed out on him, but I, let me let me make this statement. That kid is literally, I'm not joking, you could go seven miles down the road and that's where you play, from where I'm currently at, okay? He went up one-on-one against a guy by the name of Ismail Sopcher, who was a five-star, top top 15 guy, and look, dominated him for four quarters. Mm -hmm. Ismail made one play in the first quarter and then physically got dominated for the rest of them. What is that, why is that kid a three-star? Can yeah. someone like I, I used to get in these battles with, you know, and Billy and Body, we we had a, a spirited debate about this kind of stuff. And I'm like, buddy, you weren't at the game. You didn't see what I see. The only ones that were there were Scarborough, Spiegelman, and somebody else. And I'm like, are y'all watching what I'm watching? Because yeah. whoever number 76 is, where whatever his number was, he's eating this guy's lunch. So much so Ishmael didn't come out in the second quarter. He didn't play. And now, I'm where's like, Ishmael now. Uh, he's transferring from USC for like the second time in the yeah, second this is, this is his second exactly. one. So, like, I, I, I've seen these kids do that. Here's another one: Hutch Gonzalez at, at Mandeville, one of my great friends. I love Hutch to death. He's going to go to bat for his players. He kept always talking to me about this kid named Landon Ibieta. I had no idea who Landon Ibieta was. So go to a practice, go to a game, whatever, and he points out Landon Ibieta. It, I mean, he's he's six foot, wink, okay? He's 185 pounds, wink, and he goes, that's the best player on the field tonight. They were playing Ponchatoula, and I'm like, okay, whatever. He had 10 catches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns, and he physically dominated that entire game. What is what? What did I need to see from that kid? I saw what I needed to see. It's like I should have, you know, I should have got out my legal pad, and after the second touchdown and the start of the third quarter, I should have closed it and sort of said, "That's a wrap." That kid's getting an offer from LSU. What else did you need to see? But because he, they thought he didn't have a good forty time, they didn't offer him. By the way, he ran a four four seven, electronic yeah. time. So I, I mean, look, I, I get on these tangents. I, I, you know, I, I start getting on these tangents. That's why I, we have to do the rants, you know, as a part of my piece and my, and, and, you know, I, I probably have some kind of illness right now, like mentally. And uh, I, I just start rambling. I can't stop. See, I can't stop now. My brain's saying, Blake, shut up. But I can't stop. And the point you made, I, I mean, you, you said, you pointed out they're playing Ponchatoula. Oh, and, yeah. And he got 10 catches you said 156 yards two touchdowns yeah at least five that's star what, safety at least that's what that, with a five star safety on punch two correct and look and that's probably some liberal stats i mean i'm just charting it down like hey I, we're at the 40 he he caught you know now we're at the 20 he just no. caught a pass you know like the, hey that's 20 yards i mean i i might be off by 10 yards or whatever but i'm not i mean look math is not my strong suit but 
what is my strong suit is, hey, he just caught a pass for another touchdown. Yeah. Why did that happen? Well, we appreciate everybody coming in, joining in, Blake, especially. We really appreciate you joining in and helping out and, and, and giving your input on the press conference. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm super anytime. excited about BK. Um, look, we're going to be back at it again on Monday following uh-huh. probably Blake's show at 9 p.m. Uh-huh. So if you uh-huh. want to come join in, comment, come do so. Appreciate y'all joining in. Hey, go follow all of our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go subscribe to us on YouTube, all at Tigers Avenue. Go check out our website, tigersavenue.podbean.com. You can scroll through and see all of our past episodes. You can click on the little special button up top and click Tiger Times and see all the fun times that Reagan and Zach went and saw LSU games. And you can go check out Five Star Hero stuff on there as well. And, of course, our support page, too. Don't forget to go look at Five Star. All his music is on the major platforms. His merchandise is on his Facebook page. Five Star Hero, they ain't ready for that LSU, our intro and outro for the Tigers Avenue show. Hey, we'll catch you next time in the Tigers Avenue. Five Star, take us out. Peace. Who that, who that, five star? Who that, who that, five star? And the LSU 